Okay, cool. We are streaming now live on YouTube. Well, thank you everyone for joining. We got a lot to cover today. There is so much news and so much activity happening with the local Bay Area real estate market. So if you are somebody that's considering to make a move in the next couple of months, if you're trying to figure out what are best practices from not just myself, but from the industry, what are things that people are regretting that they didn't do or they didn't know to do in advance to ensure that they can get top dollar for the house? All of those things are going to be answered in this webinar and this series. And of course, if you have any questions, you can leave in the comments below or my contact details are below. I'm happy to answer that separately. So let's go into it. So a little bit about us. Uh, we are a husband and wife team. My wife does, does the lending. I do the real estate side of things. Uh, she previously was uh, an accountant for over a decade, and so she really understood numbers, really had a, a diligent eye of, of looking at books and looking at the numbers to ensure people understand their options prior to going through and spending any time. And myself, I worked in the tech industry for over a decade, and then I transitioned into growing and building my own real estate team. Fast forward today, we have nine people on the team. We're going to be adding 10 more salespeople by the end of this year. So we got a lot of exciting things happening, regardless of what's happening with the market. And we have all sorts of different things uh, in terms of resources that we encourage you to subscribe to, either on our YouTube channel, which we have different things of like the life tips, these kind of seminars. So subscribe to my YouTube channel. Simply just type in my name, Spencer Sue, or connect with me on Instagram. We have a lot of great posts and great content every single day. That's just simply Spencer Sue, R, Spencer Sue RE, and you can you can easily find me there. Let's talk about what has been going on. So the main thing over the years really has to do with interest rates because interest rates ultimately impacts all assets. It impacts the value of housing. It impacts stocks. It impacts bonds. And it certainly has impacted a lot of the banks that we have seen as, you, as we have seen over the last week. Now, what has been going on? Like, why have these things been why have these things been occurring? The fact is the job market has been incredibly strong. Look at all the job numbers. You may see locally in the Bay Area that we have some levels of layoff, but as a macro of the entire country, we have hundreds of thousands of jobs that are being created and being employed every single month. So what does that mean? People have way too much money. People are spending all that money. And so we have had to keep dealing with inflation. And so what are ways for the government to deal with inflation? Two ways, raise the federal fund rates to make it more attractive for people to go and do other asset classes like treasury yields or tightening all that money that was printed. There's not a whole lot of, of tightening that's still happening there, but with the higher interest rates, that has caused people to reassess and rebalance their portfolio and as you can see, it's different things have been occurring and different things have been, unfortunately, breaking. 
Now, at the same time, it's important for people to be mindful of like, where are we now relative to how have things progressed over the year? This is what you can see, this chart below, is what the 30-year fixed rates were or, or are um, throughout the year. You can see that we were not actually at the top of the previous peak. They actually top of the peak was at about 7% as of November. This is pulled as of last week because uh, this is a week-by-week -week pull. What was really interesting was because of what has happened with Silicon Valley Bank and a lot of these other regional banks that are having a lot of distress, it actually has brought down rates. There was a point on Wednesday before Silicon Valley Bank was going through these challenges that the rates were actually back at 7% on average, which would then have matched the previous high, which was in November of 2022. However, because of those things that are happening and because then uh, there's probably going to be a decent sell-off on bonds from these regional banks because they can't hold these long-term uh, treasuries, that there's actually been decline. So it dropped to 6.7 on Friday. And as of today, it's at about 6.5%. So we may see some downward pressure. So, so as you can see, when you hear of these different things that are happening, it is always good and bad depending on the individual. Some are going to be very scared and they're not going to be in the market at all. On the other end, the people that are in the market are just going to have better rates and better options because they have less competition, but they also have uh, less, they have, they have a better option when it comes to affordability. So that's kind of the reality of what's been going on. Now, because these rates are higher, what does that mean with the Bay Area real estate market? Has the market been going up? Has it been going down? Let's take a look together. So here are the, here is the charts of Santa Clara County and every county has actually gone through a similar trend and trajectory. And this is for all, all assets, single family, condos and townhomes in Santa Clara County. You can see we hit the peak of things roughly at the April and May timeframe. You can see the April time was about $1.61 million as a median. So let's just do some math together. And then it dropped to the February, which was the lowest point of the entire year, to 1.26. Now, to be fair, we are already midway through March. So these numbers in March shows that there has already been a rebound that has occurred, and a pretty decent one. The median now price of, of March is at 1.385 million. Now, if you compared the peak of the market of prices from 1.61 to 1.26, that's a difference of $350,000, which is an equivalent of a decline in the Bay, in Santa Clara County, which is quite frankly, most of the, every county is in, encountering the same things of around 22%. So for those that think that prices have remained resilient, that is not true. Prices have declined since then. Now, at the same time, they have also recovered substantially. Um, over the last month, there's been a lot more buyers that have been back on the market, and there's several different reasons for that. Number one, you can see there's been a relative flattening of prices in the last couple of months because rates have been more stable. So people have realized, look, rates have gotten better. They haven't kept increasing. My situation with rent has kept getting worse. Rent increases have been some of the most staggering that we have seen in the last year versus the last couple of years in the Bay Area. And so they're like, I want to make my move. I know prices have declined by 22%. That is a pretty rare opportunity to be, able to be had. 
And so you see a lot of people get back in. The other aspect, though, to be fair, is that winter times do tend to be the lowest price points of any year. So let's even pull this back for the last five years. So you can see for yourself, you can compare like how, how do the winter times, let's say November, uh, December times, December and January, how does that usually compare for the rest of the year? You can see across the board, regardless of what is going on, typically December timeframes tend to be less. You can see four out of five years, it was a quite a bit, quite a bit less in terms of the difference. And so you had those two aspects. You had both seasonality, that's normal. We have, especially this year, it's been really bad seasonal wise. I mean, it's been God awful in terms of rain. If you've been in the, if you're in the Bay Area, you know, like this is some of the worst rain that we have ever experienced in our life, in definitely my lifetime. You can even see there's even snow in like, the, the hills along San Jose and like Fremont area. So it's been pretty dreadful weather-wise in terms of rain. And we still got another, seems like a couple of weeks of rain ahead of us and we're not out of the woods yet. So it's a combination of all those things. People decide, look, the rates aren't gonna be much better. It's time to make a move. There's a general seasonality, which is always a dip. And then at the same time, rent has continued to increase. So people have been have been wanting to get back out to, to buy homes. These are all sold prices. So it shows it very clearly of where things are going and where the rebound is. And so that kind of gives you an idea of like the market itself, how things have progressed, cut all the noise out there of everything, everybody saying, thinking the world is ending. Look at the numbers yourself and you can see, and you can also understand from all those reasons why people are making their moves. Now, make no mistake, it's not like we're hitting record highs. This number at 1385, which has been a big uh, tick up versus the previous time, let's just do some math. 1.61 was a peak compared to 1385 as a median. That is a 14% decline. That is actually some still a much larger decline than the rest of the country. So the Bay Area has adjusted much quicker and much faster than if you compare to like LA, compared to Southern California, uh, compared to other places around the country. Around the country has been around less than 10% from the lowest, from the highest point to the lowest point. So it's not, it hasn't been as um, bad for the rest of the country relative to the Bay Area. Okay, let's resume. So what I want to pull for this, because we all know about we all know about the, the kind of standard things about presentations of, of sellers. And, and I wanted to kind of actually go over from surveys, what are the four biggest regrets that the sellers have had in the last two years? Like what are regrets? And then if those are regrets that were coming from these polls and these surveys, how do I help individuals like yourself counter these things so that you're not in that situation. So let's talk about it first. Pricing incorrectly. First-time sellers often regret setting a low list price. While price listings sell the fastest and highest in the current market, many listings had a price cut in January suggesting some sellers initially set their list prices too high. It's crucial to be educated about current market stats to avoid pricing regrets in the future. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a dual double-ended sword, a dual-edged sword here. On one end, the strategy of pricing it low worked really well in the sense of getting a lot of people into the home 
and getting a lot of offers. But that's not the that's not the only part of the game. What you want to do after that is you wanted it to try to squeeze more out of buyers by then having those bidders keep fighting for and keep bargaining over them each one another to try to get a higher price to try to secure the deal. So there was nothing wrong with listing a home lower. That wasn't what it was going to sell for anyways. It was only a benefit. You're just going to get a lot more buyers. You get a lot more possible bidders. And then if you did it right as a listing agent, you can then squeeze more out of, out of it to get another 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 K on top of that. So that was one part of it. So that was, I wouldn't say it's uh, a downside at that time for hitting a low list price. However, in today's market, it's a little bit different because people may not be as aggressive to be overbidding as they were in previous times. So really understand and being reasonable as to what this home is worth. Don't blame me. Don't blame yourself. Blame the market. It is what it is. Understand the market. Understand what you're trying to do. You don't want to be that seller that lists a house and overprices the house. And then a few weeks later, we need to then go through a reduction. And then we have to go through a reduction again if it was priced too high again. Especially in the past, the market was declining. And so what should you do as an alternative? It's like, look at those other homes, compare it. Think of it objectively. Look at your home. Look at the pros and cons. I know you lived in your home for a long time, but look at the pros and cons of your home and then compare it to what are the other homes that have sold in that area? What are the pros and cons of that home? Now, when did that home sell, right? You saw the different charts. So depending on when exactly sold, you should be able to have a sense as to the calibration of the value of your home. And then from there, we will price it fairly. We may price it a little bit underneath that because you don't want to be that one that's on the market that's stale. Because think about this. When you first hit the market, what's the benefit of you first hitting the market? Every buyer is always going to be thinking, all right, this home just came on the market. Looks good. When are the offer due dates? What are the disclosures? Perfect. That's a very different conversation than three weeks later and you're doing a reduction. Because when those buyers now come in, they will be thinking something very different. They will be first thinking none of those questions. They will then be thinking, why is this home still on the market? And the last thing you want to have is that you overpriced your home because you were being greedy. Right? Does that make sense? If it makes sense, leave it in the comments below. Hit a like button. Be sure to share this video because that's very important, right? So at the end of the day, you don't have actually too much penalty for listing it conservatively. I'm not talking about like listing it like way under. I'm talking about giving yourself a little bit buffer, but it's also important to compare with these other homes and when they sell. And this is why it's so important to understand the numbers and work with the agent like myself that is going to be very transparent. I mean, I'm always very honest when it comes to this because it's only going to put us in the best position. All right. So that's number one, biggest regret. Number two, bad online impression. Listing photos and videos are increasingly important to buyers. Properties with a poor online presence are likely to be overlooked by potential buyers. 87% of first-time home sellers believe digital marketing could have helped them sell for more. And it's essential to work with a realtor who offers high-quality media packages. Think about this. Everybody on the, that is watching this live, you guys are all watching this live. 
And think about it. How are you discovering homes? You go on the same portals that everybody goes to. It could be Redfin. It could be Zillow. There's some main platforms. You can go on my website. Either way, they all get syndicated from the same backend database, which is called the MLS. Before you even step foot into the home, you're going to be browsing for pictures, right? You're going to be browsing for pictures. You're going to read a little bit of descriptions. Hopefully, you have a 3D tour. Hopefully, they have a video that you can watch. And then from there, you will then start prioritizing which ones you want to go see over that weekend, right? Now, that's like the cookie cutter bare minimum that people should be doing. But that's how a lot of people are doing it. So what are the other things that can be done, though? You can, not you as a seller, this is my job as a realtor, we have a lot of other ways to get more people into that door. What are all those ways outside of just syndicating it to these sites? We can promote it within our newsletter. My YouTube channel example has over 3,000 subscribers. We have my social media platforms. I have over 15,000 connections, right? Like those are all ways to magnify it. And then on top of that, we have a large newsletter. My newsletter now has over 15,000 people. We have ways to promote it via ads, right? You can do region-based ads so that there may be neighbors or friends or renters nearby that may be not exposed to it because they were not never looking on those platforms to begin with. So the idea is that online is very big. It's very broad. And there is a lot of things to magnify that because at the end of the day, it goes back to pricing it and pricing it well. Your goal is to get as many people to see it and enough people to say, look, I see it. I like it enough. Looks good. I want to go inside the home to go see it for myself. So that's a very important. That's number two of the biggest regrets of sellers. They felt like it just wasn't up to par. And um, most aren't doing the levels that we're doing. Number three, wrong timing. Interesting. 25% of first-time sellers wish they had listed their home at a different time. Timing the sale of one property with the purchase of a new one can be stress a stressor for sellers. So that's the idea of doing like a trade-up. They sell another home. They want to use that money to buy the next one, right? 36% uh, of first-time sellers wish they knew how quickly their home would sell. Okay, that's interesting. Third, sellers should always should always have a plan and a backup. Sorry, I made a little typo here. Should have a backup plan for their next move. I'll make an adjustment on that later. So that's interesting, right? I mean, they have a feeling of regret because they felt like maybe they could have done it at a better time. Now, historically, uh, the spring season tends to bring some of the best times to sell because you have the most buyers out there. You do have the most competition in terms of listings, but reality-wise, is it tends to create the highest price because those buyers are trying to make a move before the summertime. So some may have wished they listed at a different time. Some, to be fair, look in hindsight, right? I mean, you saw that chart yourself. That decline of 22% was in seven months. It went fast. 22%, boom, six months, gone, right? If you had $2 million house, $400,000, gone in two months, or sorry, in, in six to seven months. So there is a little bit of this, you, you, you had this feeling of missing an opportunity. Now, one end that is true, and I keep telling people, look, if there was a good time, you should have done it, but it's too late. We're not, we're probably not going to be in that kind of environment in a long, long time. It's still a good time because one of the things that we're still happening right now is for sellers is that we have very limited opportunities of homes on the market. Why is that? Higher rates causes a lot of problems. 
they cause a big problem because a lot of the sellers may not want to sell if they were wanting to find a replacement place. So there's a lot less homes that come on the market, which is a good thing for a seller, right? You want less competition for your home. You want more buyers on the market and you want less competition. You want less neighbors. Like what if your neighbor sold for a lot less than you thought and it was a nice looking house? That's not good for you. So there is a there is certainly a level of regret of some people. They're like, man, I wish I did this later. Or, you know, this was a survey of the last two years. Maybe in the beginning, it was rising quickly. So just a little bit of that. Um, that's out of control, per se. But um, this is the, the third biggest regret. And last but not least, not making home improvements. They think and they feel, oh, wow, there is some work I need to do, whether it's flooring, remodel, painting, et cetera, et cetera. Let's look at this. Not all repairs have a hard ROI, but some home improvements can increase the sale price. 25% of first-time sellers believe they could have received a higher price with more home improvements. Review potential home improvement projects with sellers and provide data on, on ROI for each, right? So this is a, a pretty fascinating one because on one end, as people are scrambling or doing the different things to get their home on the market, they're like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to leave it as it is. I'm going to sell it as it is. At that time or whatever, maybe the market was hot. It's fine. And they, they do it. And then they, they accomplish your task. On the other hand, a lot of people are taking the time to actually do the baseline work, right? And we'll go over at the end, what are the top improvements to do? And what are the worst improvements to do when it comes to selling a house? But this gives you an idea of that there are certain things that are a great use of time and they don't cost that much money. And they make the house seem very different, like flooring, paint. It'll look brand new in a sense, right? Versus like older stained carpet or a little bit musky smell or like paint is really worn out or doesn't even match, it's kind of weird looking. Like there's a lot of things there that can be done. Now, to be fair, people are looking in hindsight, but at the same time, because it is work that needs to be done. And, uh, but there are certain ones that I always recommend for people to do, depending on how much time they have to, and how much time and how much money they have to be willing to put in that work. Because not only does it create a better ROI, it will actually also help you sell the home much faster. So here are the four biggest regrets, right? If there's any other regrets, leave it in the comments below, leave it in the chat. I'd be happy to answer them and I can address that at a later time. So then what do I do as a listing agent, as somebody that has helped over 80 clients with their moves in a year alone? There's a lot of things, right? The, the realtor's job is going to be on the strategy of all those things I brought up, pricing, what you should be doing, resources, game planning. Those are the things on the front end of the planning. Once that's done, your, your job is done. You got to kind of get it out of the way and let the, let the pros do it. And so I'm the one that's going to be marketing your house. So what are the things we're marketing? You can see we always do professional photos and videos. We like to tell stories about houses. Every home that we do, we have a custom video about why somebody wants to live in XYZ city. Why does somebody want to live in that community? What's so special about this home? What's the story about this home? Right? These are all things that can then relate to those future buyers so that they can envision themselves being in the place. That's why people stage homes to begin with. Why else do you think people stage homes? It's so that people can get themselves imagining, wow, it would be great 
just to get to get it configured just like this and for me to to move to move into the home we also do a lot of custom media right as i mentioned we do social media posts we do uh, cold calls all around the neighborhood to magnify it. We do ads. We do these mailers, right? These are all the different things that we do to promote listings and to get more visibility for the place. So these are all are just ways to give you an edge over every other home that's on the market. We market your home, right? I mean, imagine this. Imagine my channel, right? Imagine if you had additional 3,000 people looking at your home. What did that? What does that mean? What does that mean for you versus everyone else? You get featured, you get more listing, you get more opportunities, you get more buyers in, you get buyers that may have not considered the place to move in. These are all fantastic things that just magnifies you. And this is some of the things that I do, right? This is incredibly important when it comes to getting top dollar for your house. We, of course, syndicate it to all platforms. So within our MLS system, we have the ability to, do, to put it in all these different sites. So that is something that's there. We also cut... We also create custom websites for you guys. So every home will have its own unique URL. We have not just a property information, we have high quality photos, we have 3D tours, we have videos, we have images, all of those on your own custom sites. As you can see, what I mentioned before, these are all the different things that we do to market it. I leverage my own brand and leverage my connections on all these platforms of Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, my newsletter to get you maximum visibility. And then we have fantastic resources when it comes to staging, right? The whole reason of staging, as I mentioned, is to get people to envision what your home can look like. So whether we have to do it virtually or we can do it with professional photography or sorry, professional stagers with, with our designers, those are all ways so that people can envision their homes better. And those investments have always paid great dividends of not just helping sell it very quickly, but also commanding a higher price than without this investment. So that was a little bit about uh, what we do. And I want to give you from my own personal experience and our strategies, what are the best home improvements you need to do? If you're thinking about selling, and to be fair, it's mid-March already. So if you want to sell, springtime is always very, very good. If you're going to do these, you got to get to it really quick. We're already well underway the spring season. But these are the top and the best home improvements to do if you need to do them. If you already have new stuff, don't worry about it. But if you haven't, it hasn't been updated in a while, these are the things that you should and want to do. So hardwood is absolutely beautiful. Don't, you don't need to replace hardwood, but you probably want to refinish it because hardwood does get scratched a lot. And it can get like the, the coloring of the hardwood could also be not modern today. So refinishing is very, very important and very, very good. And it's really only done if you can remove all your belongings because it's, you know, if you had like sofas and different things like that on top of it, then it's just really hard to, to, um, to actually do this work. New flooring, maybe you have carpet, older carpet, maybe you have a, a older type of like laminate flooring that's not in style, right? If you think about it, the styles back in the day were more darker colors. Now they're lighter colors, they're gray. So you may decide to do new flooring. You may consider to repaint the home. That's very easy and quick to do. Only takes a couple of days to do. Makes it seem very fresh. You may want to do different things on the landscaping side. Don't do anything crazy, but you shouldn't have a bunch of like dead grass and things like that. Especially right now, it's raining so much. You're going to have like so many weeds. So be sure to like, especially when it comes time to open house times or when the home is on the market, have pay somebody go out, 
they'll they'll mow your lawn, they'll landscape, they'll trim the bushes, they'll pull out weeds, make sure that that is done as people walk in. And then the last two, if you have the uh, time and the money for that, because these take much longer, is certainly if you can update bathrooms, update a kitchen, those are always uh, very, very popular. Those are where people spend the most, uh, especially the kitchen where they spend the most time uh, at. And so that that is always a very, very powerful uh, powerful um, use of, that's a very uh, good use of money. Now let's talk about the worst ones. There are many that are just, don't do it. Um, don't do it. They're good for yourself if you want to live in there for a long time and that's your own personal use, but otherwise do not do it. Home office renovation. What does that mean? There are many that have like built-in desks, built-in uh, like huge closets um, not the not the custom closets that you put like your clothes, but like, you know, if you think about like those old entertainment centers like that, the reason why that's not good is because the next buyer may not have the same idea of using that space. They may just want to use it as a gym, use it as a bedroom, use it as a an office with just a desk. So don't go overblown on it because all that money may just go to waste and it may just like shut off some buyers. Don't go too crazy with back landscaping. Like I had some clients that spent $200,000 plus on landscaping because they did custom patios. They did all these different, just all these different uh, decor. You don't need to do it that complicated. And you shouldn't do it that complicated, right? You should think about it like almost like bare minimum. I would use things that are water efficient. So there's uh, using bark, using um, if you have artificial grass, that's fine. If uh, the, the bushes and plants are just, just don't need much watering, like those are very popular and very trendy, use that, but don't do like huge grass areas or tons of concrete everywhere that could go so expensive. And then the next buyer may not appreciate how much money is spent in that. So be mindful. Do not get a solar panel lease at all. That is a terrible idea. A solar panel lease may be an okay option if you were living there yourself for a long time, but don't think that's going to add any value. That's a big negative, actually, because you're the next buyer is stuck with this lease, and then hopefully your roof isn't old. Otherwise, it's just a nightmare to get those panels off, replace the roof, and put them back on. Very expensive. Custom closets. Some custom closets are okay, but generally they're not going to be that valuable because of how much they cost. Right? Do people understand how much those custom closets cost? If you knew how much they cost, you may value that, but others may not value that. So don't go overblown on that either. And last but not least, interesting enough, updating home windows. Did you did you ever do the math of how much the return is on windows? Oh, let's say let's say you're doing it because of energy efficiency. Do this math. Like the, the, it's funny, the home window companies will pitch you of like, this is such a good idea. You're going to be saving so much money on energy, et cetera, et cetera. But do the math. What is the actual ROI on that? How much do the windows cost? Let's say you're doing a whole house and it costs you 10 grand or 15 grand. Get a quote and you can see that. And let's say the pitch was the energy efficiency. Well, assume how, ask them like how much actually energy is being saved. Generally, the break even point for a lot of home windows is like eight years plus, assuming that you're a, a pretty big user of like your heater, your AC, right? It's actually a very long return on investment on that. Now, 
there's a difference if it's like a really old window that hasn't been updated in a long time. That's a little bit of a difference, but that's also something that the, the buyers themselves can decide whether they want to do it or not. But don't use some super high-end home windows, but also understand like the return on that is actually a lot longer than one may think. Okay, so that concludes what I had to present. We went over the four common themes, four common regrets that sellers has had over the last two years. For everyone tuning in live, you can welcome to unmute yourself or you can type in the chat. If you have any other questions or thoughts, I'd be happy to answer them here. Otherwise, we will conclude in a few minutes. In the meantime, if you have any questions or if you're thinking about buying, selling, or investing in the Bay Area, you can call or text me below, 408-547-4590. Call or text, send me an email, or you can connect to my social media platforms on YouTube and Instagram. Happy to have that dialogue to go over a game plan. But for those that are watching live, I did unmute everybody just for the sake of this. But if you have any questions, unmute yourself or you can type in the chat. Otherwise, we'll wrap up in minutes. Hey, Spencer. Good evening. This is Amea. Can yes. you hear me? Yes. Okay, perfect. So thank you for sharing the slides, really inform informative slides. So one question I had on, on your slide, uh, how to increase the home value before selling was either changing the floor, flooring or uh, coloring the home. Mm -hmm. But I have a question on that. Like, what, what if the new buyer doesn't like the, our choice of flooring or color, right? So better to keep it old and let new buyer decide what they want. That's a fantastic question. The answer to that is actually very simple. Most buyers actually like the same things because why? Why would what would they plan to usually change it to for, let's say, 90% plus? They change it to what's in style. They also would want to change it to what they are already exposed of. So they may be exposed from other open houses or what's common threads. They may be exposed to HGTV. They may be exposed to Pinterest, but they're all similar themes. So you're correct that you don't want to do, but that's why you don't change it into something crazy. Like don't paint all the rooms pink. Don't, uh, you know, don't change the flooring to an unusual wood color, right? If you're using something of very neutral colors, like different types of egg eggshell whites, uh, flooring could be a grayish type of flooring. You're going to commonly see that in a lot of homes. And those are what most people will want anyways. And so that hedges your bet because the difference is a lot of people can't imagine themselves choosing the new one, believe it or not. They don't actually have the imagination to be like what this house would look like if it was just updated to that. So just like you have stagers, you need to basically present that image to them so that they can easily see themselves living there. Many buyers do not actually have that creativity to be like, all right, this, I can just do this myself. I'm going to choose these colors. So it's it's all painting this picture. Got it. Thank you. So 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 what you're trying to say is as long as we keep it simple and realistic and latest trends, we get back the investment or we can even expect more money than we put in. Combination. Two things occur for all of these suggestions. Not, not just do you get your return on the investment of that dollar amount. It also helps you sell it faster because then those buyers may not be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to skip on this because there's just this work. They're going to be more motivated, more interested in, in going forward with even making an offer. And especially in this market where you may be competing with other sellers, they're going to be looking at your home versus someone else. Okay, this home doesn't have any work. 
I don't need to do any of these base things. All right, I'm going to move forward with this one more than this other one that hasn't done anything. So it's actually those two things. So it's very important right now. Got it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. If there's no other questions, thank you guys for your time. My contact details are, are down below, and I look forward to see you at the next video. Thanks for tuning in. Bye now.